Kiki. And I'm Pia. And this is the very first episode of our new podcast, Bleeding Metal. Hell yeah. <laughs> yes, we are starting a new chapter in our stories. <laughs> and we want to tell you all about it because this is the beginning of uh, very cool things that we have in store for you all. Yes. And yeah, first of all, um, the new name or no, the other way around. Um, you might know us from the Metal and High Heels podcast. And I think when you've been following that podcast, then you might also automatically see this new episode. <laughs> then everything worked as we wanted it to work. <laughs> yes. And do we want to talk about the name first? Why we chose this name? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. We chose the name Bleeding Metal because... We started Metal and High Heels to support the women in the scene. And that's still what we want to do. And yeah, what not all women do have in common, but a lot of women and also people who are not women but have a uterus, they all bleed <laughs> once a month. <laughs> and yes, um, edit. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, bleeding also is a word that is used very often in metal lyrics and blood is also something that you see in a lot of music videos and stuff like that. So blood has a connection to a metal, not only that there is a lot of iron in it, <laughs> but also whatever, trademark. And that's why we chose bleeding metal also because it's not so obvious, but if you think about it, it is obvious. <laughs> Yes. And I mean, it is also something a little bit further away from, from what we meant when we chose it. It is also something very unifying and equalifying, if that is the word. All of us humans have uh, blood, right? We all bleed if we get hurt. And at the same time, all of us, I think, metalheads would say that we have metal in our bloods. Like... Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Metal music is something that runs very deep in our beings. And um, yeah, that was the statement we wanted to make for this new era that we are starting today. Yeah, what else is new besides the name? We are missing one team member. If you have listened to this episode for the past three, four years, four years since, it, years. since we've been making four it. Four and a half, almost. Yeah. 100 episodes around almost. 100 episodes <laughs> yes we're not we're, we don't know how to count anymore <laughs> but we're around there and Steffi was apart from our team throughout all these years and now she has retreated a little bit into the background she's still very much part of our team and will be with us in spirit always 
Hello there, uh, yeah, Steffi here and I have a little and yeah, kind of sad announcement for you. Um, unfortunately, I would like to retire strongly and will not be an active part of the podcast in the near future anymore. Yeah, I'm, so to speak, now kind of a freelancer and will perhaps contribute one or two episodes if a topic is of great interest to me at the moment. And um, yeah, I would like to do that somewhen, but um, yeah, in general, I have not the time and energy, sadly, to keep on going as an active part here of that pretty nice podcast project. And yeah, with Pia and Kiki, uh, yeah, my so-called beloved metal sisters, I am and will remain um, on friendly terms, of course, and our next festivals and concerts together are already planned, so yeah, don't worry, we are fine, or uh, yeah, we still like each other, and um, yeah, on friendly terms. So thanks all of you who um, listen to the podcast and also uh, stand up against uh, sexism and metal. And yeah, big thanks to Pia and Kiki <laughs> who keep um, keep on fighting against that. I think it's still a very important topic. Um, we need to talk about so much if it's about women and metal and yeah how the how the people behave or and and so on structures whatever but yeah <laughs> that would be um a topic for another episode so um yeah i'm hugging you uh, digitally <laughs> and um yeah much love and greetings see ya and what i think is really beautiful is that she came up with the idea for the new name so that's kind yes. of her legacy. <laughs> Hell yes. So today we're, we're here to present you uh, this new concept that we will be doing. The new concept of the podcast that we will be doing from now on. And we will also be talking about ourselves a little bit more, mm -hmm. uh, which I don't think we have ever done. And I was thinking, we have been doing this for four and a half years almost the podcast. And before that, we started Metal and High Heels in 2013. So that is around eight years that we've been talking about music and sometimes criticizing music. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe, I don't know, sometimes you out there might have wondered, um, well, what gives them the right to criticize my favorite band or something like that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to talk about uh, a little bit about ourselves, how we came to where we are in life, uh, how we met. Well, we, we have talked about that a little bit in the podcast, but we will go in all depth about what makes us who we are and so that we can share with you for future reference in this new chapter so that you can maybe understand our ideas better. Mm -hmm. And of course, um, music is a big part of our, our lives. Um, that's why we will also tell you what kind of music we are listening to. If you've been listening to our past episodes of Metal and High Heels, then you might know. But for all of you who are here for the first time, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> we will also talk about that a bit. What is different now, concept-wise? I want to say 
that we are stronger now. Yes, agree. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> we have learned a lot about the world and about ourselves in these past years. And something that for me personally has changed, and I do want to share with you all this idea, is that in the, in the past very few years, I have realized that my whole idealism of making the world a better place has been uh, getting stronger and, and stronger. And this might be a tiny grain of sand in my endeavor to do that. I want to talk about the important stuff for the world um, and, for, and for all of us in our lives. And maybe, you know, make a little bit of a change. We have always talked about important stuff, but this time I think we're going to be a little bit more vocal and a little bit more fearless about our opinions and our statements in the world. We started this very podcast with the topic of mental health in 2017. Uh, we've always talked about sexism in the metal scene, and we have asked some uncomfortable questions as well in our interviews. Yes. So that is something that I personally want to do more. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we're going to center the topic feminism more. As you said, we talked about sexism and sexism focuses a lot on what happens to women um, because they most of the time are the victims of sexism. What are we going to do or what what's the difference um, with feminism? That feminism is for everyone. So feminism is also good for men. And I also think throughout the years we became or we identified more and more as feminists. I think we've always been, but at least I realized that only a few years ago <laughs> that that's the word. Yeah, it is. it has a bad connotation, sadly, for some people, because they think, okay, that's only women who go full force against men, and that's just not true. Feminism is something else. Feminism is there for everyone, um, makes the world a better place for everyone, also for men, and yeah, that's something that we want to put in focus more. And so what we did in the past is we talked a lot about music, and we talked with musicians about their bands, also about the, the situation in this world, so to speak. But we want to center more on topics that we are interested in that are connected to feminism and also to music and yeah, bring them together maybe. Yes. So how we came to be here is the next topic, as we were saying. And for that, I would like to ask you, Pia, about the very beginnings how maybe maybe this is in your early childhood i don't know <laughs> <laughs> when did you start this path when when did you start becoming a metalhead a feminist all that makes you who you are now i think both started in my early childhood because i grew up listening to rock music because my parents listened to rock music they listened to a lot of german bands so let me think about international bands <laughs> they also like the Beatles but not so much they were the team Rolling Stones <laughs> mm, okay. and yeah that's basically what I grew up with and also my parents never raised me as a girl they raised me I would say gender neutral of course 
when you're out there in the world, you don't only have your parents who influence you in a way. So I cannot say that I had a childhood that protected me from all these influences completely. But at least my parents didn't. That had a huge impact on me. That also led to that I understood some problems very late in my life. And sometimes when I when people thought that I couldn't do specific things because I was a girl, then I was not seeking for the reason in my gender, but in something else. And I realized very late that that the gender is in everything or that you cannot that you think in gender all of the time and that also women when they act with each other they also have this sexism in them or this sexistic behavior mm -hmm. and it is really really difficult to overcome this i think that's where it all started for me and i continued listening to heavy music and that was also the reason for me to to start talking about or writing about music because when I started but wait 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 don't 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 okay. don't okay. Okay. don't jump the, the whole story yet <laughs> so Sorry. you you grew up in Germany that's where mm -hmm. we are yes you know this is I like to to do some from time to time I like to do some myth busting about Germany I honestly think that <laughs> outside in the world the rest of the world Germany is held on a pretty high pedestal and some things are true and some things are not so much and um there is this a notion maybe also general to all of Europe that people are very open-minded and very liberal and very you know progressive whatever how you however you name all of that mm -hmm. so your mom is a feminist as well if i'm not yes. wrong mm -hmm. yes and so in your family that might have been the fact that they were very open-minded but the rest of your of your upbringing as you were saying maybe was not how were your your i don't know high school years um all of that teenage angst is usually accompanied by music as well <laughs> what <laughs> band specifically did you start to to listen to what are the stories there mm, i'm going to start with the bands because that's the first thing i can think about besides that i listened to a lot of the stuff that my parents were listening to i started then listening to Pink and Queen and Papa Roach. Uh, they were famous when, or Queen, of course not, but Pink and Papa Roach were um, becoming famous when I was younger. Um, and then I very early started listening to Nightwish. That was when they released their album Century Child. And shortly after that, they released their album Once. And from there, I went to, to a lot of other Scandinavian or, yeah, basically Finnish I think Finland is not a part of Scandinavia, right? No, they're not. That's true. <laughs> okay. That's right. So it, I listened to a lot of Finnish metal bands like Children of Bodom, Stratovarius, Sonata Arctica. And then uh, I dived deeper into all the death metal stuff. And that's when the Swedish death metal bands came in, like In Flames, Dark Tranquility, Evocation. And from then, from there, I went to Gojira, to the more heavier stuff. Mm -hmm. But that was a very long period. So in my youth, um, it was mostly Children of Bodom that I was listening to. That's awesome. Yeah, plus some other bands from Finland and Scandinavia. So mostly I've been listening to European metal. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
And after high school, you went... When did you graduate high school, actually? When I was 19. Okay. So you did the whole 13 years of high school or, yes. or education, 13 years education. That's actually the the standard still in Germany. They were kind of changing that in different states, but uh, some have also reverted back. Yes. <laughs> Here in Lower Saxony, where I live, I think I was the last, the last generation with 13 years. Mm-hmm. The next one that came after us, they only had 12. Now it changed. I think last year or the year before, they switched again to 13 years. All right. And then you went to university to study... Journalism. Journalism. Hell yes. From the beginning. Mm-hmm. And that's also when I started writing about music, when I joined a German online magazine called powermetal.de. Oh, wow. You've been there since you were 19? I think I was 21 because uh, after school I took a year off and I didn't really know what I want to do in my life. And so I said, okay, um, I can take a break. Other people go abroad for a year uh, or they work as volunteers somewhere. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I thought, okay, let's try something. Let's work here and there and see what, um, what makes me happy. And that's how I figured out that yeah, journalism is what I want to do for for living. <laughs> That's awesome. That is so important too to to know when you're that young that you have time. You don't have to rush into whatever. Yes. And I've seen so many people in my environment who started something or started to study something. And after two years, they said, oh, no, that's not the right thing and broke up or stopped studying and changed the topic. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to lose these years. So I said, okay, let's let's take a year and find out what I really want. Yes, exactly. Taking some time to think things through might might save you some <laughs> some more some wasting time later or you know. Mm. Right. And what happened then? You studied journalism for how long? For three and a half years. Then I graduated as a Bachelor of Arts. And then I went to Leipzig, or I studied in Hamburg. Then I went to Leipzig because I wanted to learn how to edit videos, audio, and stuff like that. And I started an internship at a company, and they also educated me in this. But what also happened in this time is that I I didn't write for powermetal.de anymore um, because I did an internship at the Rock Hard magazine and Yay. there <laughs> we met <laughs> yes. and we also met Sasha, shout out to him, yeah. um, who by that time was about to start another online magazine called Metal 4 with the, with the desire to bring or to do something for the locals. So we had this Metal Forum magazine, which was the main magazine. And we also had magazines for specific cities. So, for example, I started Metal for Hamburg and then I started Metal for Leipzig. There also was Metal for Ruhrpott for the whole Ruhrgebiet and mm-hmm. some other cities, Cologne, Hanover, I think. Yeah. Bremen. That was one of the bigger ones. That was ones, the first one, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yes, and so I wasn't uh, at PowerMetal.de anymore. I was then at Metal 4. And when I moved to Leipzig, I, of course, started Metal 4 Leipzig there. <laughs> what else um, we were doing is that 
we not only published um, written text, we also started publishing video interviews, especially mm -hmm. at the Rock Hearts Festival. Uh, I think when we started with that in 2012, we interviewed almost every band that played there, oh, <laughs> which <yeah>. was exhausting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But it was also cool because it was education in another way, so to speak. I think we learned a lot from what we did there. <laughs> yes, totally. A lot about people as well. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, and then I studied communication and media sciences. For your master's. Yes, for my master's, um, focusing on statistics. Damn. Yeah. And that's... Also, when I started listening more to metalcore bands like Eskimo Callboy or We Came as Romans, I think that was the time when that switch happened. When I moved to Leipzig, I was listening to death metal a lot. And then throughout the time, I was looking for something more modern. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's when metalcore came in. Yeah. And a bit before that, I guess, well, we had met each other and then we started metal in high heels as well. So yeah, mm -hmm. that is super interesting. What else do you do in your free time? What else do I do in my free time? I can also tell you what I how I earn my money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that first. Yeah, let's go let's go to to your actual job now after all those studies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Because um when I was in my master studies, I didn't think about working in journalism anymore because I thought okay I will never find a job that is paid enough because um, very often you don't get paid very well or you have to be a freelancer and stuff like that and that's what I didn't want but um, I'm now working as a journalist <laughs> as an editor for a magazine that focuses on pest management very interesting topic <laughs> <laughs> Always ask a pro if you have problems with pests in your home. That's always the better way. Don't try something. Um, it might go wrong. And yeah, you, you don't want that. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can imagine. So, yeah, that's what I do for a living. And um, what else do I do in my free time? I'm, again, <laughs> writing for PowerMetal.de. And we also started a podcast there for the metal scene, for the German metal scene last year, which is called Pommes Gabel. That is the fork you eat your fries with. <laughs> <laughs> But we also say that to the metal horns here in Germany. And there we focus a lot on music. Uh, there are a lot of podcasts who invite musicians as guests and they talk about a specific topic and stuff like that. And we went again to the core of music journalism and we focus on the bands and the musicians and their music in this podcast. Mm -hmm. The other stuff that I do is I do a lot of sports and I think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I like traveling, but now in the pandemic, it's, it's not so easy, but I can travel for my job sometimes. And that's also a very cool thing to do. I always try to get some time off when I'm traveling for my work so that I can see new cities and sometimes new countries. Hell yeah. That is awesome. That is really such a privilege to to be able to yes. have those trips and get them paid and <laughs> yes. still be able to, <laughs> to see the places a little bit. And I like gaming. When I'm not active, then I like to sit on my couch and 
spend time with my PlayStation 5. <laughs> nice. What a life. That is so cool. So one thing you left out from that story there was your trip to Afghanistan. Yes. <laughs> Tell was... us about that. That is a really cool story. Um, yeah, that was only 10 days, I think. But yeah, of course, I can tell you something about that. Um, I went there together with a band who played in front of the German soldiers there. So they were invited to to play a couple of concerts there, not in the Afghan cities, but in the camps of the troops of the mm -hmm. German army. And they asked me if I wanted to come with them to write an article about that. And yeah, of course, I said yes, <laughs> because I I wrote my bachelor thesis about how German media um, covers the topic of crises and war mm -hmm. in TV news shows. That was the time of the so-called Arab Springs. So I found out a lot about the area, at least, um, where also Afghanistan is. And so I was very interested in seeing the the country and how the troops or how the, how the armies are um, based there. And that's why I said yes. And was it something that you had to do for uni or was it completely a private endeavor? Uh, the thesis was for uni, but the trip was private. Okay. Or I wrote an article later about that for Rockart magazine. Awesome. So who paid for that trip for you? Well, for the band as well. <laughs> I think it was the German army because they also paid the trip and everything for the band. Mm -hmm. And they just included me. We traveled with Transal. That's a special airplane that is protected from the bottom so that you cannot shoot it with bombs and stuff like that so wow. the um the plane from the army and um we also went there with a normal plane that was also for the soldiers so it didn't matter if there was one person more or less in the plane and stuff like that so it was not a big deal i think but yeah it was very interesting to see how they lived there to see the country at least from above from the plane Uh, and to hear all the stories that the soldiers told us and to see mm -hmm. also how they enjoyed that bands come there to play for them, to entertain them. Because what I learned <laughs> uh, when I was there was it is really boring <laughs> because okay. your days are always the same. At the same time, you always have tension because mm -hmm. you don't know what might happen. But while you were there, you didn't hear any... Nothing happened around you. No, it was quiet. I also was there in winter and they also said that the Taliban are not so active in winter because it's cold and they are not beasts. They are also people. So they also react to the environment. And when it's cold, then you are a bit more quiet and not so active. That mm -hmm. also counts for the Taliban people. The second thing that I learned was that I would definitely miss my bath tube <laughs> <laughs> because it was cold, <laughs> not so cold like winters in Germany, but it was cold and yeah, the the beddings were not so comfortable like my own bed, but the food was very good. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, as I said, it was really, really interesting to see in the main camp, 
they really built a a kind of city uh, so you had gyms and you were able to do sports outside and stuff like that so yeah they really built a huge thing there mm -hmm. and from there we went to another camp which was not completely different but very different it was not so huge not built up so huge and also the borders were not so strong to to the outside a very frightening thing for me that i did was that we had to go from the plane where the plane landed to the camp with a car that was completely closed mm -hmm. because um, that was also a protection if somebody would shoot at that car then the yeah. it was the protection yeah and you sit there with all these soldiers in this very tiny car <laughs> and yeah that is that was a bit frightening to see outside oh wow mm -hmm. yeah damn that must have been a super interesting experience though all in all yeah that's really nice yeah what else can i tell you about me <laughs> i don't know <laughs> <laughs> my father is a farmer so i also grew up with agriculture not so much because he didn't want me to be forced into this life so to speak but um, anyway of course I worked on his farm and um, now we are running a shop together where you can buy vegetables and also other stuff so that's something else that I do and that yeah sometimes it's a bigger part of my life sometimes a smaller part but it's also a lot of fun yeah 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 and also it, it of course Uh, it's noticeable <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> in the years that we've known each other 10 years by the way in the 10 years that we've known each other um it was always really cool to see how healthy you eat <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah that is really cool and something that i've tried to learn myself <laughs> yes yeah i think that's it basically if something else popped up in my mind i would just talk about that. shout it out Oh, yes. yes, but yeah, throughout the years, I or we met a lot of musicians from big bands, from small bands, from new formed bands. That was always interesting to talk to them, to hear their stories, to ask them questions. And for me, it's always the highlight when they have to think about <laughs> your question. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And I think that's something that we achieved with a lot of our questions especially with our own magazine. But I think we we're going to talk about that later because now I want to know something about you. How did you grow up? Oof. Uh, and also now I have this thing in my mind. I want to ask you something that makes you think. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, but I don't know uh, just now. Well, I am from Ecuador. I don't know how much we've talked about that. I grew up in Ecuador and not many people know I mean not everybody knows where it is but in case you don't know where it is it is <laughs> in South America uh, on the equator and right in between Colombia and Peru and I grew up there now that I talk about Peru in the early 90s Ecuador and Peru were still at war for territory wow so that was something that I actually lived through I mean I was very far from the border but it was in the news all the time and I remember like in the middle of elementary school having to switch maps because all of a sudden Ecuador was smaller <laughs> wow okay yeah we lost we lost so much so much Ecuador used to reach all the way to Brazil 
into the Amazon River almost. And now we don't. But, well, Ecuador is a very beautiful country um, and also a very conservative society. And while my parents weren't full-on Catholic, religion is something that was is, that is very kind of present in in life over there. And my parents think of themselves, I don't know if they do still, but they used to think of themselves as being very, very progressive and open-minded and... You know, that's the kind of thing you hear a lot and then it turns out not to be that way. Mm -hmm. I noticed that in the ways or in the differences between how I was raised from my brother. I have a younger brother. He's four years younger than me. And that is when I started becoming a rebel and a feminist because I would always hear, like we would be, for example, at a family party or something and my mom would always tell me to go set the table or mm -hmm. something like that, or go help with something. Well, I was just like my brother and my cousins, you know, just playing around. And I would always like look at my mom and say, why do I have to do it? And my brother doesn't. And she would say, well, because you're a girl. Mm -hmm. You have to learn all of these things. You have to do all of these things. And at some point, of course, she realized, I guess, or at least maybe I was so annoying that she was, okay, then your brother has to do that too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> The first war was won. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But that is, that is kind of where all of that started. And I grew up very privileged. I went to the German school, which is a private school in Ecuador. And so I started learning German in kindergarten already. Oh, wow. Well. You know, with, I mean, how you learn things in kindergarten, you know, through songs and things. Mm -hmm. And I started singing when I, I don't even remember. My mom has these uh, recordings of me that I did when, when I was little. And I don't think I can even speak properly in them already singing. Um, so that was also a very strong part of my life and my connection to music. My dad plays the guitar. Uh, he plays by ear, so he never had like musical education. Mm -hmm. uh, but he likes playing guitar a lot. And at home, he would also play a lot of the Beatles. And that was the heaviest, though. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe some Dire Straits. <laughs> yeah, and also a lot of uh, Latin American Uh, guitar-based music, so to speak. So that was how my interest in in music was kind of born. Singing was was the main part. I started taking singing lessons when I was like 14. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I never wanted to stop. My dad said that, you know, classical singing, opera singing is like the only true way. And so I had to learn that. And that was awesome because, I mean, later on I discovered Nightwish as well. And it was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. Um, but first I discovered Evanescence. Well, before that, at some point, I went through the typical gateway. Well, not for you typical, but it was for me. And I've heard a lot of people in our generation say that Linkin Park and Korn and Limbiscuit were their gateway into heavier music because those were the bands that might have been played in the radio as well. Mm -hmm. From then on, you could look for, for other things. I also remember that... My peer group listened to Slipknot and Linkin yes. Park a lot, yes. And Evanescence was also very mainstream mm -hmm. when they just broke out, as they say. So 
uh, and started. And so um, I founded my very first band when I was 16. It was very Evanescence inspired because Amy Lee was to me the first woman in, in heavy music that I ever saw. And my thinking was, if she can do that, I might be able to do that. Mm-hmm. to you know sing as a woman in heavy music and that is how representation works people it has uh seeing <laughs> seeing people that look uh yes. like you that's important and if you're a man then you maybe cannot understand that you maybe have to think about other parts of life for example when you look at a kindergarten could you imagine working there if not why maybe because you seldom see men working there exactly That is true. Oh, that is a very good reverse example. But yeah, representation is important for exactly that reason, so that everybody can see themselves reflected and can think to themselves, I can do that too. That would make me happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when I was 16, I started my first band. And at the same time, from school, we had these programs and, you know, all of the different extracurricular extracurricular activities that uh, you can choose and stuff and they also had stuff like internships so what you did in your year off I started also doing besides high school I had the opportunity to do an internship when I was 16 and just to look how these professions uh, look into all of these professions and see if we if I maybe want to wanted to study that later and all of that and for me Music such a, was such a big part of my life, but I also had heard all of the time that you cannot earn a living as a musician. And so going full-time musician was like, uh-uh, no, no. And I thought, okay, how can I combine this big part of my life with something that I might be able to make a living with? And I thought of media, of journalism. And I thought I was also a big fan of the radio. I listened to the radio a lot. And I did my first internship at a radio station in in Ecuador, in Quito. And I thought, this is awesome. I want to do this my whole life. Just imagine, you know, just talking about, just talking, talking. I love talking. (laughs) Talking about the things that you love, the music that you love podcast the whole day <laughs> yes and playing that that the music that you love and, and and introducing that music to other people that was like the dream and so I did some more internships after graduating because I also took a year off between high school and university because I was in a German school the whole curriculum the whole education system was very like German schools here And so we also had the 13-year thing until the, you know, the administration thought, okay, uh, we also have to adapt to these new and upcoming 12 years. And so this generation is going to be the first one. And that was mine. Hmm. They reduced the whole, de- the whole, yeah, you know, high school degree to 12 years only. And that made it a lot more difficult. But I did graduate at 18 after 12 years. And I thought, okay, I have this extra year. I'm just gonna see what's up. <laughs> <laughs> Were you educated in German or in Spanish? Or both? Both. It was an interesting mix because in kindergarten, they only taught us German songs from time to time. Mm-hmm. or a few sayings and stuff like that. But up until, like, after that, the first three years of elementary school, 
were only in Spanish. We did have one, one German class, but we only learned words associated with pictures. Mm-hmm. So I knew how to say house and I saw a picture of a house. We didn't learn to write yet. We were learning to write first in Spanish. They wanted us to know how to read and write in our mother tongue first mm-hmm. so that we could learn the rest later. Okay. In fourth grade, we started, or in third grade, we started with um, writing and reading in German as well. And that was also easier because we all knew all these words and we could now finally, you know, write them, <laughs> learn to yes. write them and, and read them. <laughs> and after that, we started with English lessons in fifth grade. So pretty late in comparison to, to other schools to start learning English. It used to be the same in Germany because uh, I also was really? in my fifth grade when I started learning English. Oh, that's interesting. I thought it was only because for us it was the third language. <laughs> <laughs> We um, learned our third language in the seventh grade. <laughs> All right. And, uh, oh, but my dad was actually uh, such a fan of English and he had this global vision of the future that I should, of course, learn English super fast because English is the... The, the language of the world and is super important. So I started listening to these uh, English courses and classes mm-hmm. when I was little and they were super cool, super British, but they were really cool. So after the sixth grade, we had the possibility to switch to other uh, parallel classes where we had more subjects in, in German as well. So from seventh to ninth grade, I had math, uh, biology, and later physics in German, mm-hmm. which was That super complicated. Difficult. Yeah, more, more so because, um, and later also chemistry. And, and that was a conflict because my dad is a chemist. And uh, um, I, when I had a question, when I didn't understand something, I had to first explain to him yeah. <laughs> what my problem was and try to translate it. And then he tried to explain to me how chemistry works. That didn't work out. And that's how I switched parallel classes uh, twice uh, later in high school so that I could graduate with the Ecuadorian and the German high school diploma. And mm-hmm. I could come here and study. And that was, that was actually what I wanted to do. When I was 15, I was here for the first time in a student exchange thing. And I thought, this land is beautiful. My family is far away. <laughs> <laughs> I have to study here. I have to be free. And so I took a year off after graduating and did another internship in in radio. And after that, I came here to study music journalism. That was what I wanted to do. And I applied for a music college, which I didn't know was like super, super, super difficult. (laughs) I was just very optimistic and was like, I can do music. And uh, yes, but I cannot do music. I couldn't do music at the level that they actually required. So that didn't work out. But then I found a city that was near the one I wanted to move to. That was Heidelberg. And Heidelberg has one of the most important musicology faculties in Germany. And that's what I studied then. I lived in Karlsruhe, which was an hour and a half away from Heidelberg. It took me an hour and a half from door to door. And that's what I did for three years. It was very exhausting, but it it worked out because I lived uh, with my best friend from high school as a roommate and I didn't want to give that up. 
yeah, so I did my bachelor's degree in musicology and it was boring as hell because musicology, my friends, is only history, theory, analysis, and yeah, that's it. I always tell this story. On the very first day of university, they told us with a musicology degree, you can do everything. It basically means you can do nothing. <laughs> Most musicologists <laughs> go back and, and investigate more about uh, music history. But I wanted to do journalism and that is that is what I kind of kept pursuing. And that is how after, while I was doing my, my thesis and my thesis was about the crossover between Gregorian chants and pop music or what they called popular music because I was always also super interested in these mixes, mm -hmm. which is what I love so much about symphonic metal as well, because it's the classical world combined with the heaviness of metal and with the power and strength of metal. And, and that's something that I love when, when, when people do that kind of thing. So um, that was it. And meanwhile, around the time that I graduated high school, I had been listening to Evanescence a lot, obviously, and I, I discovered Within Temptation and Nightwish. And no, Nightwish was before because the guitarist of my first band introduced me to Nightwish. And after that, I discovered um, Within Temptation and all of these symphonic metal bands with female singers. And that was about the time when I came to university to Germany and started going to see them live. And that was <laughs> awesome. While I was doing my bachelor's thesis, I also came here to Dortmund to do my internship at Rockhard magazine where we met. And that was also the time when I started teaching, <laughs> teaching singing. That is also a super funny story because I just wanted to, the internship didn't pay anything. Mm -hmm. That's normal for <laughs> in Germany for internships. <laughs> yeah. I think that law came after, right? That internships must be paid. Yes. Minimal, minimum wage. Yeah. That was before. Yeah. So I kind of needed some money and I started looking for work. And my thought was, I can sing. Maybe I can, you know, I'm, I'm going to reach out to, that was kind of confident of me. I admire myself now, my younger self. <laughs> I just sent a few emails to different recording studios in the city and saying something like, uh, here's my, you know, here are a few of the recordings from my last band. And if you ever need some backing vocals or something, you know, call me. Mm -hmm. And one of these studios also had a music school and they called up and they said, well, we're not looking for a singer but we are looking for a singing teacher. Are mm -hmm. you maybe interested? And I went there for the interview and I had no training in teaching at all. <laughs> but they, they had very uh, alternative methods of teaching. They taught a lot with colors and movement and um, they taught me a lot. So they, they trained me so that I could teach their methods. And that was really really cool work um i enjoyed it a lot i learned a lot from my students quote unquote is it also sometimes frustrating <laughs> yes 
I can imagine. Well, some, yeah, because, <laughs> you know, some people can get better. Some people don't get better and get frustrated themselves. The most frustrating part for, part for me was that I was teaching so much that I didn't have time to sing myself. Mm -hmm. And that was very sad. Oh, and the whole internship at, at Rock Hard, uh, I looked for that because I had been writing for a magazine for a gothic fanzine for a few months and the idea actually came to me because they asked my band back then I had founded a band um, I had started a band with a few friends while I was in, in in university and they asked us for an interview and it was a written interview so we got like 10 questions or so maybe less via email and and I wrote back And I thought, well, you have a cool magazine. Can I write for you too? <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I, I had my own column and, and I had a few articles and interviews and that was super fun. So yeah, that's how, how I suddenly thought, okay, I cannot only talk, I can also write. And that's how I came to Rockard where, where we wrote remember the news for the website and mm -hmm. and all of that kind of stuff um that was really cool too yes but tell us something more about your band oh that's so long ago so vampirica was the name <laughs> <laughs> i started vampirica um with one of my best friends he is from mexico he was also studying in Karls karlsruhe and he would write all the songs on his guitar and yeah and then we found a second guitarist and a drummer and uh, the bass players were several <laughs> but it was a lot of fun we recorded an ep with four songs and had a few concerts it was super awesome it was this kind of gothic heavy rock thing with my wannabe operatic vocals, because back then it, it wasn't very good. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. And yeah, it was it was a turning point for sure. After that, I actually applied to be in Alexandria. And uh, I actually got the audition. And I was super sure that it would work out and uh, that I would be the new singer of Alexandria. And of course, that didn't. But you were very far so I think um, if Manuela Krala who then became the new singer wouldn't yeah. have applied then you would have been the number one right? I think so as far as I know mm -hmm. but that actually was a, was a huge turning point because it blew my mind that I that somebody else from the scene who knew their stuff actually thought that I was capable of something. Mm -hmm. And Xamlia back then also has been a very big band or a at least in the metal scene famous yes they had just back then even they had just come back from their first latin american tour and it was it was so mind-blowing and then through that i had this contact with lisa middelhaufe their first singer who was also like super nice to me and so that opened a few doors and and it was just this 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 confidence that that, that gave me so that was really cool um, after that, I think I set my standards too high <laughs> and just wanted to find a, a, a band that was as, that had the same professional ambitions that I had. And I never found anyone. 
it's been 11 years since mm -hmm. but uh, but still it was a, a very a very beautiful experience and it was also what made me look into moving up here to this state which led then to going to Rockard magazine for the internship and to everything that that happened after to my living here and even we wouldn't have met if the Alexandria thing didn't have happened, uh, all of that kind of thing. So it was very life-changing. Thank you, Alexandria. <laughs> <laughs> I ended, ended the internship and I kept um, doing the vocal coaching, but I couldn't do that full-time. It was uh, a very complicated thing about working freelance and having to work for several people and or, or for several different institutions or companies. And I didn't want to do that. I just taught at this school because they were so cool and I didn't want to go to other standard schools where I where I didn't even fulfill the requirements. So I looked for other jobs and I ended up working at an advertising agency because, you know, I apparently could write and I wrote ads for radio. So... Mm. I went back a little bit to, to radio and through that incursion into advertising is that I later got certified as a social media manager, online marketing manager and a project manager. And then I started working freelance and doing that in 2016. That work went from the strategic planning of the, you know, the marketing strategy from a website to the social media, through a blog usually, to social media and all of that for different clients of many different industries. And that's what I've been doing for the past six years until this year I uh, started working for a software company, doing that still also a new chapter kind of <laughs> oh and also in in 2019 i went to do that as well for a campaign for prevention of violence against women in ecuador that was my first time living in ecuador as an adult um for six months and it was an amazing experience and that is what started this and this is how we come full circle to the very beginning of this episode working with what i can do with my expertise as a digital marketer for a feminist cause that helps the women in my country or that might help the women in my country at some point gave me this completely new perspective and new appreciation and just the the desire to do something more with my life <laughs> with my work to have a bigger purpose yeah, it's so important to speak up because that's how you can change people's minds when they are very um, traditional <laughs> with their thoughts, then they might also think that everybody else is. And if you tell them, no, that's not my mindset, my mindset is we are all equal and we should uh, share the work in the household and there shouldn't be um, one bread earner and the other one is, is responsible for the children and stuff like that. That might change something in other people when they sit in front of someone who says that. Because you often see that in media or you hear something about that. But if somebody really stands in front of you and says, yes, that's how I am. I think that we are equal and that women are not responsible for doing the dishes mm -hmm. <laughs> in, because they are women. <laughs> 
that's so important. That's also what you said earlier, that representation is important. And it's also important to speak up for what you think and also um, to speak up for people who are in a not so good position as you are. Um, for example, yes, I'm a woman, so sexism affects me a lot, but I'm white, so racism doesn't affect me at all. And that's also something that I had to learn that there is a lot of racism in this world as well. And it is my um, my responsibility to do something against that because I have a position where people might listen to me who might not listen to black people, for example. Mm -hmm. To all the men out there, <laughs> if you think we should be equal, if you really think that, then you should also speak up for that and go out of this comfortable position that I, as a white person, am in also and just say nothing, please speak up for us. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that entails a lot of inner work and self-work, introspection. We all should be still working on becoming better human beings mm -hmm. and recognizing our privileges, our mistakes, and how all of these structural problems are very deeply rooted in ourselves and how to recognize them earlier so that we stop doing those mistakes and stop perpetuating sexism and racism and homophobia and all of the things. It's also important to don't try to be perfect because when you finally start seeing all these problems, then you also see them in your own behavior and you mm -hmm. know that you also acted like this in the past. And I can tell you, you will also act like this in the future because it's very difficult to change what people told you from the very beginning of your life or sometimes even before you were born. Even yeah. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to be imperfect here. Um, the important thing is that you try and that you learn from your mistakes. And that can also be little steps like, When you did something racist, then after that, you can think about that and think about why did I do that? And that's how you can come over this. So you have to to unlearn something. Mm -hmm. And that's even more difficult than learning something new. And just give yourself the time to to do that. And yeah, yeah, forgive yourself and make mistakes. That's it's okay as long as you learn something out of that. Yes. And uh, to start with with those to start recognizing your own deeply rooted isms for example you can start by listening to yourself when you curse yeah <laughs> when you insult someone for example mm -hmm. <laughs> when you're driving in your car <laughs> yeah like all of those kind of things and just ask yourself where does this word come from Why is it not okay anymore? Because it's not politically correct to, to say all of these things. There's a reason for that. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is when pointing that out to someone else, we don't need to be mean. We don't need to be super aggressive. Mm -hmm. We can do, as you were saying, the little, the little steps and be mindful and be respectful. Funny anecdote of the recent months. So in the, in the software company where I am now, uh, we have... A weekly meeting with the whole company where we just tell each other what we're doing right now, what the different teams are working on. And that is super cool. It was something I had never done before. And it's a software company. Of course, most people identify as men. 
And so people go into the call hang, saying, hey, guys. Hmm. And so I just started to pointing out that to, <laughs> to the people I work with more closely. So to my team leader, so to speak, I pointed it out to him and I was like, um, there's at least two women in that meeting every week. And then he started saying, <laughs> good afternoon, guys and girls. And I was like, <laughs> oh. the next private meeting we had... And we have a great relationship. So that's that's like my advantage, right? But I was like, okay, we're actually women, right? Mm -hmm. You can go in and I gave him the, the suggestions. You can go in and say, hello, everybody. Hey, everyone. Hey, people. Whatever. Something more neutral where everybody feels included. Hello. <laughs> yeah, just like good morning. That's that's it. That's all you have to say. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's it's the that kind of of smaller things. Sorry, you, you had also an anecdote. Yeah, too, actually. When you try to to get behind these structures in your brain, when you think about society and stuff like that, um, I think you and I played a very interesting game at a festival when we asked each other, is this behavior something that you were born with or something that you were educated to? And I think 99% we came to the conclusion that It was education and you were not born like this. Yeah. And the other thing is, of course, sometimes it's even dangerous to stand up against all these isms. But what really has an impact also on other people is don't laugh about sexist, racist, ableistic, whatever, homophobic jokes. Mm -hmm. It sounds a bit, um, maybe a bit silly, but that's the first thing that's the everyday racism, sexism, and so on. And when you stop laughing about that, that's the first step to change something because the other person at least sees that this is not your humor, that you don't think it's funny. Maybe they start talking to you and then you can say, well, I don't think it's funny because it affects me in a bad way or something like that. So you can talk from another perspective. You don't have to say, oh, that was very racist or very sexist or homophobic you don't come to that point where you say where you judge the other person you get a conversation on a very different level or no conversation at all but <laughs> you made your point clear that you don't think it's funny yes yes and for us having these conversations i think for everybody having these conversations in your closer environment or with your or with your closer friends, family, and partners, um, if it's on that respectful level, it's you can make a big difference because that will ripple out to their environments as well. Mm -hmm. But something that we have also recommended musicians do, for example, and we had a whole episode about this, um, metal and politics. If you have an audience and you can, because you are safe and, uh, you know, and have that, that is also, I think, a privilege. And you have an audience and can make a statement and support a good cause or, you know, take a stand against something, then do it. As Maya Shining from Forever Still once said in an interview, you may lose a few followers, mm -hmm. but it might be worth it. You it may is. gain a lot as well. And imagine the people you are touching with that, the people you are supporting for them to get better treatment equal rights, etc. It's a huge difference for them, for us, 
I am a Latina bisexual woman. <laughs> I am in all those intersections. And um, yeah, so I think this is where we start talking about um, bands that we've been listening to. Some of them might have uh, all of those all of those things. I was already mentioning Forever Still, who have uh, gotten political in their social media, as I was just saying. Um, Body Count is uh, and Stick to Your Guns, I love because of that. I really like when bands take these topics that are so important because politics seep through our lives all the time. We cannot escape politics. And um, I love it when they take up those uh, those topics into their lyrics, into their discourse, into their, their interviews, presence, <laughs> into their interviews, into their influence. Yeah, um, Epica is not as political, but is very philosophical. That's my favorite band. I still listen to them a lot. Um, uh, but otherwise, lately, I've been listening a lot as well to what you might maybe call metalcore. <laughs> <laughs> I am riding the whole spirit box wave a lot of as everything unfolds as well. Some sleep token now and then. And um, Loathe, yes. What are you listening to? Um, lately, I've been listening a lot to Lorna Shaw. And what is interesting about Lorna Shaw is that they changed their singer. So they now just released the new EP with a new singer. The singer that they had before was kicked out of the band because he was a... I don't know if um, it was ever admitted, but... It was said that he was a sexual abuser. And that was the reason for the band to say, okay, um, we don't want to be in a band with you anymore, which I think is a very good sign also, because especially in the music industry or in the metal scene where there are a lot of men. And when you think back a couple of years, groupies were a very big thing. So women were kind of, trophies or something that mm -hmm. you could just take when you wanted it i think especially in this genre it's very important to do something against that and so that's why i think it's great that they took this for a reason to say we don't want to do this anymore mm -hmm. together with you and change the singer yeah it's very brave too yeah i also celebrate as everything unfolds a lot <laughs> <laughs> They are a very cool band and we also had an interview with their singer Charlie Rolf where we also talked about the topic of sexism and how everyday life is affected by that and that was also very interesting because she said I think I'm more affected than I know. Mm -hmm. Other bands that I'm listening to are We Came As Romans for example or NSOK is my favorite band. Um, I started listening more to The Tex Avery Syndrome now, we also had them in an interview and their singer Laura is an amazing person as well. Yes, so much. I also like Season of Ghosts and The Number Zero. Both bands have lead singers, female lead singers who still live or have been living in Japan for a while. Um, and both say that that's a very patriarchal culture there and both went there as women and as foreigners and started a band there which in itself is awesome if you know that it's a very difficult thing to do mm -hmm. yeah what else i um lately discovered a band called 
Thornhill, which is a very awesome band. I'm very sure I forgot a lot of bands, but <laughs> <laughs> they were the most important bands, I think. And we've been talking for so long already. If you're still listening, we thank you so very much. <laughs> we didn't really talk about metal and high heels yet. Well, that is true. Is it a short story, long story? We can try to make it short. Yes. So we met at Rock Hearts in 2011, 10 years ago already. And we stayed in touch after I finished my my internship we went through this metal four phase the online magazine that was for the more local metal communities in germany and at some point i think we had the desire to do a metal magazine for women yeah we just came up with that idea out mm. of blue We thought metal for women would be a very good idea, <laughs> but they didn't want to <laughs> to do that. Oh, really? I, I had totally forgotten that on purpose. <laughs> yeah, that's why we said, okay, if you don't want to do it with us, then we do that on our own. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, we got some help of some of our friends who helped us building up the homepage and all that stuff, uh, do some programming and everything. But I think we were quite uh, quick with, from the idea to finally start with the magazine. Yes. And the idea was to write for uh, female metalheads and also support the women in metal that we knew, which mm -hmm. took us to a lot of events <laughs> like Metal Female Voices Fest and later Female Metal Event. And we gave all of those uh, women the chance to be a little more present in, in interviews and all of that it was also obviously a chance for us. But <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I think we also talked about topics that other magazines didn't really talk about. So um, we also started with the topic of sexism, how that affected people. Mm -hmm. I think... We also made a couple of mistakes. So, for example, we also uh, talked about beauty and stuff like that, which I wouldn't do like this again, because I think women are reduced often enough on how they look. That is true. And yeah. we shouldn't support that by doing that ourselves also. That might be also something that we want to focus on more in the future, that if we talk to other women, especially when they are part of the music industry, We want to know what they do in their job. So more technical questions, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yes. To be fair, to be fair, we also asked some men hair care tips. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. And as I said before, it's totally okay to do mistakes and to learn from that. <laughs> that is true. I totally agree with that. But the magazine kept growing a little bit. I think we are most known in the small scene <laughs> for our video interviews. Mm -hmm. And yes, check out our YouTube channel um, for all of those. And we've also gotten a lot better. The other day I, <laughs> I watched a lot of interviews from our beginnings and cringe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but even Blabbermouth shared some of our videos. <laughs> yes. Totally, because we were we were talking to the bands 
that needed the attention and we were also asking some important questions mm -hmm. i think that was highlighted there as well yeah and our first website from 2013 we did a whole relaunch in 2016 when i started with my with my freelance uh, as well and had some more knowledge about that so we made that better and then we started the podcast in 2017 mm -hmm. and we were one of the first podcasts about metal by women mm -hmm. hosted yeah. by women and by the way hosted and produced and all of the things we do everything by ourselves <laughs> yes that's true <laughs> um we had some help when we started as i already said but yeah since you built up the homepage, we did everything by ourselves also the post-production everything yeah we were also one of the first metal podcasts in general i think there were some of course but but now there are many more yeah th there are so so many more yes mm -hmm. and in 2015 we had steffi join the team in 2017 i think we had eve join the team as a photographer as well now it's Again, the both of us only. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, since we want to give more focus to all of these more important life topics that we will still mix with the metal that runs through our veins, we will no longer be expanding on the website. And the podcast will be our main format from now on. So is there anything else to say? Mm, you can still follow us on social media. We will... As I said in the beginning, do a changeover <laughs> with our new name, with all our channels that we are having. Yeah, now it's the two of us again. We're going to talk about our own opinions more. And there will be an episode every month, mm -hmm. at least. So if we have an interesting interview or whatever, we might um, release more than just one episode in a month. But that's the least we will do. Yeah, so don't forget to follow us on Spotify, subscribe wherever you're listening and share, share the podcast with your friends and whomever you think might be interested in listening <laughs> yes. to us. And if you have a topic that you want us to discuss, just let us know. You can also ask us questions if you want to know more about us, <laughs> who we are, why we are, who we are and um, why we think what we think <laughs> we are always um, happy to answer your questions and to also have you on your journey maybe because i think you're listening to this podcast for a reason so when, when you're still listening now then you want to change something in society we would like to discuss this also with you out there hell yeah all right Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you, Pia, for still being here 10 years later. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to you. <laughs> it was a lot of fun to do this episode because I also learned a lot about you. Same, yes. There were these all these tiny details that I didn't know. They're mm -hmm. so cool. Very interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's what motivates us, uh, you know, the curiosity about the world and um, about ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> yes. To keep being better or becoming better humans and making this world maybe a little bit better mm, i think throughout the episodes we're gonna 
talk about some podcasts that we're listening to or give other band recommendations, maybe books, whatever, what helped us on our journey. So yeah, I think now and then this will pop up, <laughs> but also festival experiences that we had and stuff like that. So a bit more here and there about what we did in this episode right now. But yeah, as I said, we we're going to focus more on specific topics and bring the music in <laughs> on that journey. Yeah. Hell yeah. And on that note, we will see you in next month. Yes, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Stay safe, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening and hear you next time. Bye.